So have you ever had this moment, right, where you are talking and the person standing in front of you, like their eyes glaze over and you realize they've not heard a word that you've said, or maybe you've even been asked for advice and so you have given it and it could be good life-giving stuff and the person just turns away and goes and does the exact opposite. Or maybe you've had the moment where it was vital for someone to hear you and it seemed no one paid attention. Or even at work, the boss says, hey guys, got any ideas? And you throw one out, not a response. The person next to you gives the exact same response, not 15 seconds later, and the boss is like, oh man, that's an awesome idea. It's like no one hears us. And so today, as we dig into how do we find our voice, how do we find it when we feel like no one is listening, we're going to be looking at Acts, the 16th chapter, which is a story about Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas are out there, they're, they're traveling all over the Mediterranean through what is modern day Greece and Turkey. They are traveling and they are talking, they are trying to talk about the way that Jesus the way that Jesus lived, his teachings can really transform lives. And so they are connecting, they are building relationships, they are encouraging others, they are healing, but they will find themselves in dire predicaments. They will get themselves into trouble. In fact, there will be moments where it's like, I don't know how that one's going to end. And so it's not easy. Even as they are doing something good. They are trying to offer people a transformation of their lives, not quick fixes. And for some, they will realize, wow, I need to be on a different path. And there will be celebration and joy. And for others, they will be like, ah, we want to kill you, Paul and Silas. We want nothing to do with anything you've said. And so how do Paul and Silas find their voice, even as their predicaments change, even as the context changes, as some respond well and others are like ready to hurt them, as others just total disregard, care nothing for what they have to say. So that's the story we are going to dig into today, starting in Acts 16, verses 16 through 19. One day, when we were on the way to the place of prayer, we met a slave woman. She had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through fortune telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. She did this for many days. This annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that very moment. Her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the officials in the city center. All right, so first off, note that they are on their, place, on their way to a place of prayer. So Paul and Silas are on their way, they're going to go pray, they're going to go connect to God, they're going to strengthen themselves, a really good practice to have. 
And as they are on this way, they have, as so often is the case, right, when we are on a decent path and we are trying to do the right thing, we're trying to make the right decisions, all of a sudden there's a distraction. There is a speed bump in the road. There is something that tries to derail the way that we are headed, even when it is a good way. And here, this distraction is a woman, but not just any woman, a woman who is owned. She is a slave woman. She is owned and exploited for her abilities. It says she has fortune-telling abilities in that she is owned and really she is, be, she is making money for other people. So she is exploited. And the woman is following them around. And it's, it takes several days. And she keeps saying this thing of these people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. Okay, well, what she says isn't necessarily false, right? It's not false, but they're having to be careful of who this is coming from because she doesn't have a lot of credibility on one level. And so it's kind of like if we were in a situation and we had to tell the truth, and so we were being very careful about what we were saying and we were trying to be honest and have integrity. And the person across the room says, oh yeah, no, you need to believe them. They are totally being honest, which was true, but the person who just said it had been convicted of perjury, lying, anything like that. And you'd go, wait a minute, I don't really want that person vouching for me. And so on the surface, right, we've got a surface level here of what she says, that it's true, and they hear that. But they're not really listening. Even Paul and Silas are having trouble listening beyond the surface. But after a few days, they finally, it's like, wait a minute. This woman, what she says, and what is she really doing? What's really happening here? She needs freedom from something. Because here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus was all about listening to others and then responding. And he was all about freedom in the sense of you are going to thrive. You can live in a new way. And he was all about it is not okay to own and exploit others. It is not okay to harm others. And so Paul and Silas finally decide that they are going to hear this woman and respond in a way that Jesus would. And so they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. They finally give her freedom. They finally give her what she really wanted. Even though she was saying one thing on the surface, what was really happening, they had to understand a little bit about who she was, who she is beyond the surface level to be able to truly hear her. And how often do so many things get said on the surface and it gets construed and misunderstood and it causes such pain because we are unwilling to listen to something deeper. We are, we are unwilling or unable or we get distracted, we have baggage, we get bored and we cannot listen to what is really happening under the surface. And so Paul and Silas finally decide to listen and they free the woman and because of their actions, they are hauled before the city officials. Because the woman's owners 
are now angry because now they, Paul and Silas, have impacted their pocketbook. All they care about is money. And so they don't care about who Paul and Silas are. They just know that Paul and Silas have made making money for them a whole lot more difficult. They don't really care that this woman is free and she can now thrive in life and she can live well because they can no longer control her. They can no longer use her abilities against her. And so all they can hear is anger. All they can hear is the cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching being lost. Because that's the surface level. And so what happens next is kind of interesting because Paul and Silas, after taking the time of not listening, really, they finally listen. They finally do the right thing, and it's going to land them in a whole bunch of trouble. Continuing on in verses 20 through 24. When her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, These people are causing an uproar in the city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, so the authorities ordered that they be stripped of their clothes and beaten with a rod. When Paul and Silas had been severely beaten, the authorities threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to secure them with great care. When he received these instructions, he threw them into the innermost cell and secured their feet in stocks. This moment, right, this moment of outrage, this moment where everybody's just angry because all they care about really is money and control. And that all they want to listen to is their anger, their outrage, their judgments, their own perceptions. And they can't hear anything else. And so their reaction to Paul and Silas is to throw them in prison. And this, this area, it's kind of interesting because it, it comes up, right? They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. They're in the city of Philippi, which is a Roman colony. It was a very popular place for the Roman military to retire because it was sunny and it had a good standard of living. So it's kind of like, think Florida and Arizona for us today. And here the Romans were in control and... They are all about comfort and living the good life. And all they can hear from Paul and Silas is, you have disrupted our comfort, our quiet. And they ask nothing of them. In fact, they just make the decision, we are only going to react. We are going to react out of our anger. We're going to react out of our outrage and our judgment. And we're going to throw you in prison. So really great metaphor right here. So often we imprison ourselves and we imprison others with our anger, our judgments, our outrage, our perceptions, our unwillingness to listen beyond the surface. And it cages us in. And here the officials have done it. The officials have reacted in that manner. Paul and Silas are asked very little because they don't care. The officials don't care what Paul and Silas have to say. They cared nothing about their life. They cared nothing about that woman's life. 
And so they dehumanized her, and now they dehumanize Paul and Silas, and they imprison them. And so for ourselves, what are the things that we imprison ourselves with every single day? What are the things that we imprison others with? And how does that play into whether or not we are willing to listen and to understand, right? We can hear words being said. We can notice kind of what people are saying, but how often do we actually take the time to understand and get under the surface? Because what happens is, right, when we're on the receiving end of that, we certainly don't like it, but how often are we on the giving end of that? And so here, this moment of going, wow, when are we refusing to listen, to go deeper, to try to understand? When are we putting blockades up for ourselves and for others? And when is it happening to us? Continuing on in verses 25 through 30. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. All at once there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer awoke and saw the open doors of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted loudly, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for some lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, Honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? So the city officials did not listen to Paul and Silas, did not choose to understand. So we would say, okay, their voices were dismissed. They were dismissed and it was unconcerned. They were totally unconcerned. And so Paul and Silas now find themselves in this prison and they are singing, right? They are praying and singing hymns to God. They're still using their voices. And all the prisoners around them hear them. May not be what they had expected. Maybe they had hoped that the city officials would hear them. But here, something important, something vital. Paul and Silas still have their voices, and they are still going to use them. And it's kind of interesting because the prisoners around them do hear them, do understand them, are trying to pay attention, are trying to gain what in the world is happening, and then an earthquake happens. And in this part of the region, in Greece, there is a sense, it's like 100,000 on average of earthquakes a year. So it's a sense that earthquakes are going to be prominent in the area because of the European and tectonic plates and the way that they're slamming against each other. And so earthquakes happen constantly. And this is a great metaphor for sometimes we need an earthquake to wake us up. We need something in our face to shake us and go, hey, wait a minute. You need to wake up and hear, wake up and listen. And this is what happens for the jailer. The jailer, 
who isn't paying any attention. He's asleep. He doesn't care what Paul and Silas are saying. He's got his orders. He's carrying them out. He is asleep. And then the earthquake happens, this moment of you need to pay attention. And he is so overcome in the moment that he's about to take his life. He is at the bottom. He is in the pit of life. That everything has fallen apart. An earthquake, right? Everything has fallen apart and his life has no meaning. His life has no purpose. That all he can see is the pain and the destruction. All he can see is that the circumstances are controlling him. And Paul calls out. Paul still has a voice. Paul chooses to use it. Paul calls out and the jailer says, honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? In this moment, the jailer is like, wait a minute. Somebody is actually caring about me, caring still about who I am, and calls out to stop him. And now he's like, okay, what do I have to do to turn from that my problems are all-consuming? that my issues of life are bringing me down. What do I have to do so that in this moments like this, in the moments of earthquakes, I get to actually take a new path. I get to wake up and listen for something I have never listened for before. And here, Paul and Silas are able to start that conversation. Here's a moment of recognizing that for some, change is truly possible. That change is truly possible for ourselves about who are we willing to listen to. What are we willing to listen to? Are we willing to listen to the problems of the world? Are we willing to listen more to the anger of this world? Are we willing to listen more to the fear and the pain? Or are we willing to listen for something new, something different that can actually put us on a very different and new path? And so the jailer is an example of this change. And what's interesting is how Paul and Silas, after Paul says, wait, 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 don't do it. The jailer didn't have to listen. He could have gone through with it. But the jailer goes, wait a minute, maybe I need to listen to that. And so Paul and Silas, they respond to him in the next verses, verses 31 through 36. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you and your entire household. They spoke the Lord's word to him and everyone else in his house. Right then in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his home and gave them a meal. He was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. The next morning, the legal authorities sent the police to the jailer with the, with the order, release those people. So a sentence, right? A sentence, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your entire household. So often we get caught up in, okay, what does that actually mean? And here Paul and Silas are saying, wait a minute, you know, when we're thinking about how Jesus lived, notice, believe, try to live that way. Try to love one another. Try to find peace. Try to live into that joy. Try to be the healing presence. Try to encourage. There's a different way of thinking and being where the problems that you have, the problems of this world, the problems of who doesn't listen to you no longer really matter. So here, 
Paul and Silas are giving not only the jailer a new way of thinking and living in the world, but now it impacts him and his entire household. It sets his entire household on a brand new trajectory. And here we get to see the very first thing, he washes their wounds. Now the jailer sees them as human, sees the pain that has been caused to them, and now tries to be the healer, tries to encourage, tries to soothe. The jailer responds. The jailer listens. They are listening and connecting and building in a relationship that just hours before would have been deemed impossible because of who the jailer at that point listened to, what the jailer listened to. And now he's choosing to understand, to hear different voices. He's choosing a different path. And so there's something really powerful about that. There's something very encouraging for ourselves of how we are understanding who we choose to listen to, who we choose to surround ourselves with. Because there are going to be challenges in this world. But notice, even Paul and Silas still didn't lose their voice. The jailer chose to listen, chose to hear them. They chose to keep speaking they chose to keep engaging, that they would not stop. The jailer, his life is set on a new path. But not everybody's going to be like a jailer. Not everybody's going to choose the new path. Not everybody's going to choose to listen. And we know that, right? We know that. There have been times probably where you have felt like, okay, I have finally been heard. Finally. And there are times where you just... You put your head in your hands and you're like, why? Why won't they listen? Why can't they hear me? What must I do to be heard? And the way Paul is going to engage that second question comes in verses 37 through 40. Paul told the police, even though we are Roman citizens, they beat us publicly without first finding us guilty of a crime, and they threw us into prison. And now they want to send us away secretly. No way. They themselves have to come and escort us out. The police reported this to the legal authorities, who were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came and consoled Paul and Silas, escorting them out of prison, begging them to leave the city. Paul and Silas left the prison and made their way to Lydia's house, where they encouraged the brothers and sisters. Then they left Philippi. This whole thing about being Roman citizens is a really important piece to the story because Paul and Silas, as Roman citizens, have a right to trial before they can be beaten, tortured, and imprisoned. And all of that has happened to them because those legal authorities weren't listening to them they weren't trying to understand who they were or what they were doing because they were reacting out of their places of fear and anger and prejudices and judgments and these, these things that they get caught up in. They are caught up in money and power and control. And here, Paul uses his voice, uses his voice to say, no, I'm going to be very clear right this moment. 
about the situation, and here's the boundary. They have to come escort us out. Paul uses his voice to be clear and draw a boundary. Even though he cannot control the way that they are going to respond to him. The legal authorities are going to still respond to him in fear. They still aren't going to fully understand. They really aren't going to go, wait a minute, what do we need? What are we missing about these guys? What do we really need to understand? Instead, they are still going to react to them out of their fear. They are not going to change. They are only looking for quick fixes in life. And Jesus is all about transformation. Jesus will not give us quick fixes. And here it shows us that we have a voice no matter the context, no matter if someone tries to diminish it or say it is not worthy. We still have a voice when we use it to be clear and honest when we use it to draw a healthy boundary, when we use it to point towards God. And we cannot help what anybody else does in response to that. Only they can choose whether they want to listen and whether or not they want to understand. And so hear that, please, that when you felt like your voice wasn't worth when you felt like your voice was diminished, when you felt like nobody cared, this story is about, no, no, God still cares. God still gives you a voice. It is no less diminished just because of the reaction that is received. Paul and Silas are able to still have their voice. And what's interesting is they're clear. They draw the boundary and say, no, you're going to kind of have to escort us out. But they do not react with the same fear and anger and pain that the legal authorities had reacted to them. Because now that this has happened to Paul and Silas as Roman citizens, they can now come back with the legal system and come at the legal authorities. The legal authorities can be in a huge amount of trouble. They could go to prison for what they have done to these Roman citizens. And so that's really important here to notice that Paul and Silas could take it in their hands to react in the same manner that was given to them, but they choose not to. They choose to go on. They choose to keep on encouraging. They choose to continue on a very different path, that they are not going to choose the path of anger and outrage and pain and fear and being litigious in nature. No. They are going to continue on being encouraging and healing. They're going to be clear and they're going to have boundaries, but they're also going to turn and go. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes 3.7, which is there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. And so there is a time to speak, which Paul does, and there is a time to be silent and to go in a new direction. What's also important to note is Paul and Silas are not jaded by this event. They are not in a place of, well, now we're going to have to fear everybody. Well, now we're not going to be kind to everyone. No, they are still going to continue on this journey of trying to live the way Jesus calls them to live, of being healing, loving, encouraging. And so they do because it says Paul and Silas left the prison and made their way to Lydia's house where they encouraged the brothers and sisters, then they left Philippi. They continued upon their work. They didn't let the bump in the road, 
They didn't let the people who tried to diminish their voice, their worth, that tried to dehumanize them, that dismiss them. They were like, no, I am still going to live this path, this way of Jesus, because that is way more powerful than all the other stuff. And so for ourselves, how do we begin to let this story challenge us and comfort us of saying, no, we still have a voice even when we feel like no one is listening? How does it challenge us in the way that we listen to others? How does it challenge the way that we understand? How does it challenge us in having our voice with clarity and boundaries, but still sticking with, nope, I am going to live Jesus' way and not this other way. How does this passage of Scripture bring us comfort and understanding and challenge to the way that we go through our lives every single day, having to communicate, having to listen, having to speak, having to engage with others. How are we challenged today? Amen.